The Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio present Savor 2015, an American craft beer and food experience from Washington, D.C. This salon was from Friday, June 5th. Best of Beer and Barbecue, presented by Four Hands Brewing Company, Boulevard Brewing Company, Country Boy Brewing, Hops and Grain Brewing, and Maui Brewing Company. Hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome you this evening. Oh, um, my name is Brad Latham. I'm the senior event manager with the Brewers Association. The Brewers Association is the trade organization for the small and independent brewers in the nation, um, and we're the ones responsible for the event this evening. So hopefully you're having a wonderful time. We appreciate all of you being here this evening. Uh, wanted to let you know that all the salons are being recorded by craftbeerradio.com, and next week we will have them available on craftbeer.com. Uh, so if you want to come back, listen to this one or any of the other ones we had, um, just visit the website. Uh, we have a wonderful salon this evening on um, beer and barbecue, and we have four wonderful presenters. And to get us started tonight, I just want each one to go through, say who they are and who they are with and where they're from. Certainly. Uh, my name is Martin Toft. I'm with Four Hands Brewing Company. Uh, we're based out of St. Louis, Missouri. We've been open about three and a half years. Yay. I'm from uh, the other side of the state. I'm Julie Weeks with Boulevard Brewing Company. Yeah. Go Royals. Uh, and we have been around for 25 years now. Yeah. So. Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Josh Hare. I'm with Hops and Grain Brewing in the great city of Austin, Texas. All right, all right. And we've... Oh, wow. We went, we went there. And we've been open for almost four years. Cool. we got to give them a round, right? Yeah. I think I got one earlier. Uh, I'm Garrett Marrero. I'm from Maui Brewing, all the way from Maui, Hawaii. And very awesome to be here again. Uh, we've been open for 10 years, so we're excited to have just celebrated that anniversary and to bring you all some to meet, so be excited. <laughs> Thank you. Aloha. And so we're going to have four pairings this evening. Um, each person has a regional barbecue that, they ha- that they're presenting this evening, each paired with one of their beers. And they'll kind of cue you when it's time to, to start the pairings. But before we begin, I wanted to start a little bit about the history of barbecue itself. Um, let's go a long way back, 200,000 years back. Um, in 2007, a group of Israeli scientists uh, found evidence of early humans who had been cooking their meats over fires. They, they found carvings on the bones. They found char on the bones. And so as far back as humans have been around, we've been cooking barbecue. And then if you look back to the, the Old Testament and the Hebrew Bible, Moses gave specific instructions on how to make an altar to sacrifice these animals, um, but it involved cooking them. And they had, he gave the meats to his brother Aaron, and him and his friends ate it. And then you look back in a lot of recorded history in China, they have been slow cooking meats for a long time. So when we talk about slow and low in barbecue, um, that starts from China. Um, and then we see all kinds of depictions from the, the Middle Ages throughout Europe of these spit roasters, like the rotisseries with slow, like the slow cooking meats over these rotisseries. And the English even bred a dog strictly to run a spit. They, they had short legs and they ran, it was like a hamster wheel. And they just sat there and they were, their whole job, they bred this animal just to cook these meats. Um, and then, but what we think of as modern day barbecue um, came from Columbus and the Arawak Indians from the Americas. They had something, a word called barbacoa. And that's what comes to as modern day barbecue. And so um, then we look into like the 1500s in the South, in the American South, and barbecue had been around all through there. And in 1540, DeSoto writes about he the first first recorded history we have of a huge barbecue party. Like they had it with the natives, he had it with his crew. 
And then we look back to even not far from here in Mount Vernon, uh, George Washington, not only was he brewing beer, he had a smokehouse. So beer and barbecue has been originating here for for quite some time. And so um, I want to start here um, with Austin, Texas. And (laughs) people are loving it. And so we want to talk a little bit about their style of barbecue, what it means, and then we're going to try this first pairing. All right. So um, anytime I, I talk about anything, I like to start with a story. Uh, and this story is, is very, um, very fresh on my mind uh, living in Austin. Um, we are in the middle of, of some dynamic changes in our, our great city. Uh, and one of those involves a lot of growth and a lot of uh, development and a lot of new entrants into our city, a lot of new transplants. Uh, and most recently, um, there was a proposal put in front of the city council to potentially restrict the distance between a barbecue joint that has smoke coming out of their smokers and single-family residents, right? Some people complained that we're living in these new uh, uh, multi-rise, you know, condos on the top, retail on the bottom, uh, and they were complaining about the smell of smoke constantly wafting through their windows. Um, And so there there are a few fantastic barbecue joints in Austin, one of those being Franklin Barbecue. I'm sure most of you have heard of Franklin Barbecue. Uh, They are a number of years old and still to this day, every day, there is a line that forms at about 8 a.m. and they run out of barbecue at about 1 p.m. and that's when they shut their doors. Well, Franklin Barbecue is owned by a, a gentleman named Aaron Franklin, great friend of mine. They are located right down the street from our brewery. And he obviously was very concerned about this potential uh, city code amendment that would prohibit him from operating his barbecue facility in the place that they were because of these new transplants into Austin. Uh, so what Aaron Franklin did uh, was he went down to the city development office with a lot of barbecue. And he talked to everyone that he could find that would listen. Uh, He talked to them about barbecue. He talked to them about culture. He talked to them about how great the city of Austin was and why the city of Austin was so great. And barbecue was at the core of that. Ultimately, they were able to completely defeat this potential city code amendment. And so barbecue in Austin has been protected. Uh, So, I start with that story. Now, um, some of the history of barbecue is fantastic. I've I've read about it a number of different times, most specifically today, brushing up on my barbecue history. Uh, But one of the great things about Texas barbecue, specifically, is that it focuses around an animal that most barbecue around the rest of the country does not focus around, and that is the cow, beef. Uh, Beef is something that we have a lot of in Texas. We cook a lot of it, we eat a lot of it, uh, in a lot of different forms, but the purest and the richest and the probably most acceptable is brisket, which you have in front of you right now. Uh, brisket is a fantastic, uh, a fantastic cut of meat. It's a fantastic thing to enjoy for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Um, also in Texas, one of the things that we thoroughly enjoy about barbecue is the lack of sauce. You will not find any of the barbecues, uh, especially the the reputable barbecue joints in Texas. Very few of them operate around sauce. Sauce is a a kind of a side note, something that's that's there for you to dip your meat in, but it's never the focal point of of what you're eating. Um, What we've done here is partner with a great, great company here in D.C., uh, two local Austinites that have transplanted themselves here and have brought that culture to D.C. You can go to D.C. I, I won't talk about their beer selection because it's a lot of Shiner beers, um, but that is very representative of our great state. Um, so the barbecue that you have in front of you is brisket. It's not going to be overwhelming with uh, sauces or spices. It is really representing the pure form of that cut of meat. 
Uh, a lot of this stems from German and Czech influence, uh, which is how I'm going to segue into the beer that you're drinking uh, with this barbecue. Uh, one of the beers that we have made since day one at our brewery is a beer called Alteration. It's the one that's sitting in front of you now. Uh, we were very fortunate to win a gold medal at the World Beer Cup in the first year that we were open in the German alt beer style which is what you have in front of you. Uh, an alt beer is a very, very unique style of beer in that it carries all the flavors and characteristics you would expect from a nice, rich brown ale. Uh, but the finish is much more like a pilsner uh, or a very clean lager as opposed to the estery, fruity components you would get in an American-style brown ale. Uh, so the beer itself is there. Um, imagine that as your sauce. You don't need barbecue sauce with this brisket. You don't need spice. What you need is a good beer to wash it down. Uh, but we don't want the beer to linger. We don't want it to be overtly sweet or overpowering. We want it to be there as the base to enhance the meat, enhance the fattiness, enhance all the beauty in brisket. Uh, and at the end of the day, it's there to uh, pair well with another four or five uh, as you drink and eat your brisket. Um, so, Texas barbecue, Texas beer. Hope you're enjoying it. <laughs> and I will say when it comes to brisket you, you do see a lot of fat but that's that's part of the flavor like it's not something that you avoid that's something that you want to be part of your barbecue that adds so much flavor to it embrace it like he says um so so the gentleman from austin knocks sauce but when we talk about barbecue sauce um kansas city is what we think of when we think of barbecue sauce it is the tomato based sauce that is what we're familiar with when you say hey give me a give me a bottle of barbecue sauce and so next we're going to go to julie here to tell us a little bit about kc all right well this segues perfectly because we brought the other portion of brisket we brought some beef burnt ends which is something that Kansas City is very well known for. Um, and the burnt ends are basically, brisket has two different parts to it. It has the flat portion, which is what you just enjoyed, and then it also has the point. And what happens with the point is once the flat has cooked, because it does cook faster than the point, even though you do still co- cook it low and slow, um, you then put the point back in. And typically then you chop it up and put it back in again, and it's just a much slower process. And if burnt ends are cooked correctly, you'll have a little bit of that crispiness um, on the ends of it as well. And then in Kansas City, we do enjoy our sauce. So um, what we brought with you for tonight is uh, Jack Stack Barbecue, which is based in Kansas, uh, downtown Kansas City. And it is an original Kansas City barbecue sauce. So you are going to have, like Bradley said, it's tomato-based, but you're going to have some hints of brown sugar and molasses. And the beer that we've paired it with is Bully Porter. Uh, Bully Porter was actually one of the first beers that John McDonald, our founder, ever came up with. And we started bottling it back in 1990. Thank you. Um, so this is one of the originals that uh, John first started with, and it's definitely a, a more robust beer. It's going to be, um, we always say it's kind of a meal in a glass of itself, but the great thing about Bully Porter is it really balances out um, a lot of those same characteristics that you're going to taste in Kansas City barbecue. So it does have a little bit of a smokiness to it, definitely has a richness, but at the same time it really kind of counteracts that sweet Kansas City barbecue sauce that you're going to find on your burnt ends. So it does bring out a little bit of that um, uh, smokiness that, like I said, is a great complement to the sweetness of our sauce. So once you guys get that, you'll be able to enjoy enjoy that. Um, Typically, Kansas City barbecue, burnt ends, brisket. Uh, We also do a lot of pulled pork in Kansas City, but you won't find a lot of like the vinegar-based or the, the mustard. It really is all about the sauce when it comes to KC. So you are with the brewery that is the oldest here represented. Um, tell us a little bit, like, have you guys worked with local smokehouses or anything throughout your years? Sure, yeah, we certainly have. Uh, Jack Stack is a great partner of ours. We do a lot of, of beer and barbecue events with them. Um, there's a lot of great local barbecue shops, too, though. So it's fun because... We have a lot of barbecue festivals, um, and it's fun to try a lot of different beer pairings with it. And what we found is a lot of beers, barbecue is a great meat uh, base to be able to pair a lot of different varieties of beer with. Um, so while our porter is great, um, we've also done some with our 80-acre hoppy wheat beer, where that citrus also really complements some of the, the different meats really well. 
is, are a lot of people familiar with burnt ends? Because you know, when you think about barbecue, that's not necessarily what you what you think of. But it's it's a unique cut of meat, and it's it's quite delicious, actually, if you ask me. Yes, it's one of my favorites, which is why we we chose it. Um, but it is it's going to have. A heartiness to it uh, definitely has a lot of that fattiness texture that you still find in brisket as well. Um, one of the things that's great about how slow it is cooked is that it really reduces that fat and allows it to um, to have the sauce complement it without being too overwhelming. So you still get that heartiness, but also you'll you'll notice hopefully you get some of that sweetness too. You guys enjoying it? Have you had it yet? Getting it? Yes, everybody got there so far. Um, It's usually served two different ways. So the way that you have it tonight is our traditional chopped burnt ends. And then some some different restaurants will also shred it. So you can have kind of a shredded burnt end sandwich, uh, which is always nice too. But I kind of like it more in the chopped version. Mm -hmm. Anybody have any questions so far? All right, so... um, this is a great pairing right here. The, Thank you. The porter kind of adds a little little extra sweetness and dryness to it, a little mm-hmm. roastiness. It does. I think it really balances out that sweetness that you get in the sauce. Are you using any smoke malts? Because it does have a real smoky characteristic. It does. To it. Um, it, has a, it has a chocolate malt in it, but that's the closest to a smoke specific mm-hmm. that we use in it. How long have you guys been making the bully? Since 1990. Wow. So it's definitely one of our longest-lived beers. Can't find it everywhere. I don't believe we have it out here in DC. So you just have to come visit us in Kansas City. <laughs> I got a question here in the back. Um, I want to go back to uh, the first guy from Austin talking about um, not having any sauce on the barbecue. So I just want a little bit more of what do you think about just having the meat without any sauce. So I, I didn't want to mis, mislead you there. I, I don't mean there's no sauce whatsoever. A lot of, uh, a lot of really good briskets are, uh, are coated in sauce before they're smoked. But the, the core of Texas barbecue is all around... Uh, embracing the richness just of the meat and the flavor of the meat. And that's what a lot of uh, pitmasters pride themselves on is the flavor that they can extract uh, in the, the oak or the mesquite or the wood that they use to smoke. Um, and so they, they go very light on sauce. And generally you'll find sauce is always something that's not, when you order a, a plate of brisket, it's not going to come to you with sauce on it. It's going to come on a plate, and then you'll have jars of sauce sitting on your table that you can then, and generally a, a barbecue uh, place that's you know worth its salt is going to have five or six different barbecue sauces for you to try uh, because, at least in Texas, uh, we like to think of ourselves as purists, right? So we, we present you with, uh, with the pure form of, of what we believe is great, and then we give you the freedom at least in Austin, uh, we give you the freedom to try the sauces as you please over the top. But that's more where I was speaking to is that the sauce is always something that's sitting on the side. It's never going to be mixed in with, uh, with the brisket that you, that you eat. Is there a specific type of sauce that you see more so in Texas than... Because there's not as a Texas sauce. There's, there's definitely not. And it, it, it's made it very entertaining for most of us. Um, you know, vinegar-based sauces seem to, to predominant, uh, you know, be the predominant um, flavor that you get. But especially at, uh, at Franklin Barbecue, they have an incredible coffee um, barbecue sauce that is, is kind of what's made them famous and uh, beautiful characteristics from that coffee. Uh, they also do, you know, one with, with red wine. So the sauces tend to be something that you express your uh, your inner self with, and the barbecue is more what uh, is the core of your uh, of your meal. All right, so let's go a couple hundred miles from Kansas City uh, to St. Louis, and here we have a unique unique spin on barbecue as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so St. Louis, uh, this is kind of the perfect introduction to it. St. Louis is a little bit of a blend of both Texas and Kansas City. 
So uh, we, we do something very similar to what they do in Austin or do in Texas. We cook it slow and low, and we cook it dry. Um, it's a similar style to Memphis. Um, same thing there. Nice, slow smoke on it. Nice, low temperature. Really long smoke time. And then at the end, we finish it off with a little bit of sauce. And traditionally, we use uh, somewhat like a Kansas City sauce. It's a little bit sweet, uh, a little bit uh, kind of savory. It's got a nice spice to it. Um, so today, we brought you guys some ribs, uh, which one of my favorites. We're, we're kind of known for our brisket, but uh, I'll take a good rib over brisket any day. So I figured that's what you guys like as well. Um, unfortunately, we weren't able to get the ribs here that uh, we wanted to from St. Louis. Uh, they're from a place called Pappy's. Um, anybody familiar with Pappy's out there? One of the, one of the best uh, smokehouses in St. Louis, in my opinion. Um, same deal, line out the door every morning. They usually sell out uh, by 2 or 3 in the afternoon. Um, fantastic, fantastic barbecue. Um, but they, uh, they prepared some ribs for us, and unfortunately, uh, you know, shipping snafus and all that. But we have our best approximation of a St. Louis-style rib here. So it's going to be the same deal. Um, just really succulent, kind of falling off the bone tender. Uh, nice sauce on it. Uh, a little bit of that sweetness and a little bit of that spice. Um, Pappy's is actually someone that we've, uh, we've been pairing up with a lot in the past. We originally did a beer for them called Smoked Pegasus. They smoked some malt of ours in their smoker. Uh, yeah, Pegasus. Um, yeah, so uh, they, they smoked some malt of ours in their smoker. Uh, we used it in the beer. It's a smoked porter with a little bit of rye and some maple syrup. Um, unfortunately, that one's a seasonal, so we didn't bring it here. But we did bring uh, another one of my favorites. It's called Contact High. Um, I'll let you guys make your own jokes about that one. Uh, I'm laughing because I'm yeah, looking cheers. at the can design. It's, it's yeah. pretty clever. Yeah, so, I don't know uh, what it means. That's, uh, that's one of our summer seasonals. Um, it's uh, what, what I would call uh, an American wheat pale ale. So kind of a hoppy wheat ale. Uh, Cascade hops, nice and citrusy. Some people might say they're a little bit dank. I'm not going to go in that direction. I'll let you guys do that on your own. Um, but we also add some very, very fresh orange zest in there as well. Uh, usually zested same day as we're transferring that beer over to the bright tank. Uh, zested by hand. So uh, we got a lot of cellarmen who work very hard zesting a lot of oranges to make this beer. Um, but as a result, you get that nice citrusy bouquet. Uh, really, really good fruity nose uh, backed up by that hop aroma. Um, and it pairs really fantastically, in my opinion, with these ribs. Uh, the citrus kind of cuts through some of that fattiness. Um, the citrus also plays really, really well with the sweetness and that spice. You end up with just a really, really well-rounded pairing. So you, um, so. so you mentioned um, brisket and ribs. Is it ribs the predominant style of Kansas or of St. Louis, or do you so see more brisket? Brisket is uh, by far our most popular cut. Um, ribs come in a close second. St. Louis actually has its own special cut of ribs, the St. Louis cut. Uh, it comes a little bit lower off the rib. They're usually a shorter, smaller rib. Um, those are used pretty frequently by a lot of the smokers in St. Louis, but we also use some of the larger cuts just because there is so little meat on that St. Louis-style rib. Um, but again, it's a really nice, tender rib, uh, very delicious. Meat just kind of falls off the bone. And again, no sauce. And again, uh, so no sauce. Uh, typically, uh, either no sauce or sauce ended right, or right on the, the finish there. So based it on right in that, that last hour or two of the smoke. Have any questions for the gentleman from St. Louis? Right here. Yeah. Actually, for two Missouri breweries, I was wondering which city, St. Louis or Kansas City, has better blues? Kansas City. Kansas City. I'm going to take that. Uh, one. All right. I'm taking all right. it. Uh, I would say St. Louis personally, but. Do you want to arm wrestle over Austin, it or something? I, Come on. Yeah. I would say Austin's probably got uh, got a little bit in the race there too. No. Yeah. No. Um, but yeah, this, uh, this beer, like I said, it's one of my favorites. Um, we do this six months out of the year. Uh, it's actually the first beer that we ever put into cans. Uh, and like I said, we're a young brewery, three and a half years old. So this was uh, one of our, our first big drivers that really uh, we produced a lot of. And if you, if you smell it, it's got a lot of that citrus on the nose. I get it smells like you're smelling a fresh orange every time I smell it. It's just so bright and citrusy. Um, I absolutely love it. And uh, with, with the rib, it, it really it pairs well. That citrus cuts right through all that fat. So do you guys have a lot of core brands? Or do you talk about seasonals here. Do you have a lot? Um, so we, we do a lot of both. Uh, we have, uh, in any given year, we do about 25 to 30 different styles. 
Uh, we have four, yeah, so that, that's a lot. Um, and we're doing right now about 15,000 barrels a year. So uh, the about 50% of that is probably in seasonals. Uh, contact high being a really big one for us. Uh, the other most well-known one would probably be our chocolate milk stout, um, which is kind of the polar opposite of this guy here. So really big, rich stout, lots of chocolate, lots of roast, uh, very sweet, full-bodied. Um, kind of the opposite of a nice, crisp summer wheat ale. It's, it's interesting to see, like, the you talk about the citrus in that beer, yep. and it holds up even through that smokiness of the meat. Absolutely. So uh, that's that's one thing that we were uh, we tried really hard, and we experimented a lot on this, trying to get that citrus to come through. Um, and so we tried all these different techniques. Some of it was uh, orange peel in the boil. Some of it was fresh zest in the bright tank uh, on the, the, the finishing side of the fermentation process. And what we finally found was that uh, if we zested it fresh uh, and then actually compressed and extracted the oils out of that zest, we got the, uh, the freshest, brightest citrus we possibly could. And we also found out that by doing it the same day, uh, rather than you know processing a ton of oranges at a time and letting it sit, we really just got the, the freshest product we possibly could. Uh, so we, we added just prior to packaging. We added in our bright tank. Yep. That, that was a, it was a wonderful pairing. I, I enjoyed that very much. Yeah, like the the spices on the on the rib kind of lasted yeah. then. You had a little beer left in it that the little orange citrus kind of just cut through it right at the end. Yep. And so let's move to a place where we don't really think about barbecue for most of us. Um, let's, let's go to the very center of the Pacific, way out in the middle of nowhere. Um, but these people have a very rich culture as well and their own type of barbecue. So, Mr. Marrero, if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about uh, Hawaii. Sure, sure. Uh, well, I think we're the, the furthest barbecue. I think y'all are within, what, 500, 700 miles. So we're going to take a... Ah, 4,000 mile journey or so, maybe to south, south, uh, uh, west from here. Um, but yeah, we, so barbecue for us is uh, pig. It's a lot of pig. Uh, we, we didn't have cows originally, and even pigs were brought to Hawaii um, by early settlers, but uh, pig is the predominant meat in Hawaii. And uh, I call it pig because I'm not printing our menu at the brew pub, uh, which I was told uh, when you call it pig, my wife says, you know, they think of babe, the pig in the city. You, you can't call it pig. And, but Hawaiians call it pig. You don't refer to, refer to it as pork usually. Those so, swine? Yeah, yeah. Well, swine, swine, swine's so tasty. Stop teasing. Uh, but, you know, for us, uh, pulled pork, you know, as, as you mentioned earlier, uh, it's kind of a staple of Hawaiian diet. And uh, the way we did this is uh, we dug a hole at my GM's house. He's got a big uh, ranch out in uh, uh, the Waiehu Valley, uh, just in, in Maui, central Maui. We dug a pit. Uh, we lit a fire with kiabe wood, uh, which was harvested on the, uh, the ranch up at the distillery, uh, which is Ocean Vodka. Uh, so they had cleared a bunch of land for even... Uh, so, um, harvested a bunch of Calvi wood and brought it down, lit a fire, had a bunch of beers, and waited for that fire to break down into the embers. And then we, we in that in that fire too, we had a bunch of uh, river rocks. So these are you know, the, if you guys saw Brew Dogs, we did the lava beer, uh, all the same same rocks actually. Uh, we had some leftovers. We used those in order to uh, to heat them up till they were practically white hot. And then we lowered a pig into the ground. And the only thing that's on this pig is is uh, red Hawaiian sea salt, which is uh, alaaya, and it's a female sea salt. Um, we have male and female salts. We have uh, a lot of differences in, in what they mean. I, I don't profess to know even the faintest amount about it, but I do know the red one's female. And it's uh, a beautiful, It's like, I think it's kind of like the pink Himalayan salt, uh, so it imparts a lot of flavor, uh, even though it is just a singular uh, type of spice. Uh, but we, we rub the pig inside and out with that. Uh, this particular pig uh, was donated by Uncle Chang. Um, I honestly don't know Uncle's first name now that I think about it, but he's been picking up grain from when we were just a 300-barrel-a-year brewery uh, back in 05 till now. He still picks it up in his truck. And retired guy up Kahakaloa, uh, which if anybody's been to Maui, is the northeast side, or sorry, northwest side of the island. And uh, he donated the pig for this purposes, or these purposes, and it was fed entirely beer grain since birth. Well, <laughs> after milk, of course. Um, so it, we've donated the grain to him forever, and so we, we were able to get 
get a pig, uh, which we love this pig because it's uh, typically a lot leaner uh, than most pigs that are eating scrap from restaurants uh, because the grain, we've taken a lot of the sugars out. We have a high protein residual there. So we get these meaty pigs that are uh, just fantastic to eat. Um, anyhow, uh, we, we pulled it out of the ground the next morning and we actually had like a rainstorm overnight. So we were really nervous pulling it out of the ground. We had to suck up the water from around the pit with a, a shop vac. And the way, you know, just like the ancient Hawaiians did, um, we, so we removed all the water and we were peeling back the plastic because, you know, they used that too. Uh, and then we got to the banana leaves and got to the tea leaves and got to the rocks. And this, it was just perfectly suspended on top of the hot rocks and didn't get any water touching it, which was awesome. Uh, so we pulled it out of the ground and literally, like, the skull just, like, falls apart. And it's, there's no vegetarians in here, right? So... <laughs> Because when, when my wife was there, she was like, no way. Uh, so yeah, I took the jowl out, and there's pictures, if you're on Facebook or you follow us on Instagram, there's a few funny pictures of that. Uh, but the meat literally just falls off the bone. And uh, it's one of the things I always loved about Hawaii was eating the pulled pork. Um, we originally had a beer called Mana Wheat. Uh, Mana is one of our flagship brands. Uh, thank you. Uh, it's a pineapple wheat. Uh, it was a, the first, first American wheat brewed with pineapple. Uh, we use Maui Gold pineapple in that, but unfortunately, Shipping is kind of a pain sometimes, uh, and our container didn't make it in time for the market here, so we instead used our Homefront IPA. I think both go really well with it, um, but we're going to drink the Homefront. This is uh, about 7.5%. Cheers. Aloha. Or Okole Maluna. Okole Maluna. Um, means bottoms up. It's a 7.5% IPA, and it's brewed to support the, uh, the Hops for Heroes charity that uh, 10 of us got together and brewed the same beer across the country. Thank you. Big round of applause for that. Yeah. So this beer, brewed for charity, 100% of the proceeds goes to, uh, this year it's Soldiers Angels, uh, so it changes each year, uh, but all that money goes to help uh, military families and wounded soldiers. Um, and the ingredients are donated. We donate the labor, the utilities, the production, and 100% of sales. So uh, this is a project where we purposely make sure that the breweries do not make money. It all goes to charity, and, and we're really proud of the support from our sponsors as well. So just a little bit. But. And isn't it age with Louisville Slugger bats? That's a, uh, great, yeah, one of our sponsors is uh, Louisville Slugger, and they send us all uh, unfinished bats. And they're engraved with the Hops for Heroes and our name. And we age the beer on the bats. So there's a little bit of, uh, little bit of baseball in the glass. So, um, and then those bats are going to be auctioned off uh, on our social media and at the restaurant and such for donating those proceeds to charity as well. Um, but you'll notice this, this IPA is very malt forward. Uh, it's like a lot of our IPAs in Hawaii uh, make some really bad balanced, very drinkable in our our warm environment that we have year-round. Uh, you know, it got I, our frigid winter we had last year, I think we got down to like 62 one night, and that was like, that was pretty nutty. Um, so we got we to gotta balance out our beers, give us a little sweetness for that bitterness, and we can drink them year-round that way, which is pretty awesome. But uh, Hawaiians love sweet stuff. Um, you know, anyone who saw Joe versus the Volcano, that's kind of a play on it sometimes. Uh, but this pulled pork, uh, we, we usually don't have a ton of sauce, just a, usually a little bit in the pulled pork. And then we leave the rest to just be the salt and its, uh, and its preparation of the Kiave wood smoke from underground, as well as the, um, the, the river rocks that impart almost a bit of caramelization to it because it, it really starts searing the meat the moment those rocks touch. So uh, really fun project. Uh, I got to go and give 100% of the credit to my team, uh, Tony Wren in particular. He's my GM. And he did all of this. All I was there for was moving the pig, like literally picking it up out of the back of the truck because it was a 200-pounder we got. It was awesome. And, and then the next morning, had to go back and pull it out. So it was pretty cool, and uh, I'm really proud of what he did here. So, Gary, how long did you cook it for? Uh, overnight. So this one, because of the rain, we let it go a little longer. So we put it in about 9.30 at night, and we pulled it out around 2 o'clock the next day uh, in the afternoon. So it was, you know, it's carry the one, you know, 15 hours or so. So, yeah, it was a while. But it was, uh, you know, because of the rain. Normally, we would have had uh, usually between 10 and 12 hours. It really depends on the size of the fire, and you really can't go wrong with emu. It's just the, the, the fire just slowly burns out, so you can't really overcook it. Uh, and then you take 
all the everything and just blend it up so you get portions of white and dark, fat, skin, everything, and you're getting all the pieces in there that all are very, very tasty. So. A lot of times it's referred to as Kahlua pork. Kahlua. You, you... Yep, that's a, that's a great point. And it is Kahlua, not like the coffee drink. It's K-A-L-U-A. Uh, so Kahlua pork is uh, what it's referred to as when it's cooked in an emu. So, um, But that's what you'd... Uh, if you have a local plate, like local plate lunch, they call them, uh, it's a, a plate usually with pulled pork, lomi lomi salmon, uh, which also obviously was brought to Hawaii, uh, and then um, sometimes poke, which is ahi poke. It's raw fish salad, and then rice. There's a lot of rice, and then uh, coleslaw. That's a plate lunch, and it's usually very massive. It's usually about 10, 12 bucks, and it'll feed you know, a small family. Uh, but that's that's lunch for most of my, my, my big boys at the brewery. So, uh, yeah, I love the food. All right, so I'm gonna put the, oh, I'm gonna put them all on the spot real quick. I'll get some questions in just a moment. Um, we're gonna give a round of applause to see which ones you liked most. So, uh, tea leaf. Let, let, let's start off. If you enjoyed the brisket from Austin best, how about a round of applause? <laughs> modest, modest, modest. It was all right. All right. How about the burn-ins from Kansas City? A little stronger showing right there. How about the ribs from St. Louis? And then how about our pork 4,000 miles away from Maui? I think we have a clear winner right here. I know. So cheers to these all. And so I want to take some time and ask more questions. All right. That's awesome. Thank you, guys. It was really, really, really good. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, actually, I thank you, to everybody, for having That is really great to have this meal. It's delicious, obviously. Um, so can you talk about a little bit of how the decision-making going into how we're going to make this beer? Like, this is going to be the flavors we're going to try to get to. Here's kind of the food we're trying to get to. Here's kind of flavors we want to have. Yeah, do you ever make anybody make beers with food in mind? Take it somewhere. He's chewing, folks. He's chewing. You know, I think for us, um, one of the things that's super important is to try and have a variety of beers so that when you are sitting down with the chef and we're doing a beer dinner or we're trying to do a food pairing, we've got a lot of different choices to to try and determine which one is the right one. And there will be times where uh, Stephen, our brewmaster, and a chef will go back and forth round and round and round because they both feel very strongly about which different flavors they want to try and pull out or marry with the beer and the food. So for us, I think variety is key. And being able to really have that collaboration with the chef when you're trying to do a food pairing is crucial. Um, I think our best beer dinners are when we really start the conversation at the beginning versus trying to, here's the menu, you pair the beers. So it works really well when it's, it's yeah, a full partnership throughout the whole process. Anybody else want to comment on that? Uh, He's finished eating. Uh, I'm done chewing. Uh, that was beautiful, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, good. Really good. The King's Hawaiian bread kind of helped. Uh, you know, it's so good. Just, anybody who likes sweet bread is like, ah. Um, one of the things that we focus around uh, at our brewery is culture. Uh, and, and what that ultimately means to me is that the beers that we make are, are made to pair with life. Right, they, we don't want any of our beers to be one-dimensional. We don't want them to be something that uh, alienates themselves from any one thing. Uh, all the beers that we make probably lend themselves best with something specific, but at the end of the day, we pride ourselves on the fact that you can go through our entire portfolio of beers and try just about any type of food with it, and none of it will be wrong. Right, the, the idea is that it may not be the best thing that you've ever had and the best pairing that you've ever had, but I think that at, at the core of beer and what ultimately makes our industry so fantastic is that the beers that we make are, are made for all of us, and they're made for us to live and to exist with and not abuse, but to just be there. You know, It's something that I joke with all of our employees that beer is the simple piece of what we do, but culture is the complexity. Uh, and, and trying to convince people that... What we're doing is great is the hardest part of what we're doing. Making the beer, is that's the fun part. Uh, but the, the piece that keeps me up at night is how are we going to get people to rally around what we're doing? And so I think all of us um, 
you know, we make beers that are very dynamic and that are very, uh, um, you know, in, in our own right, we're trying to express ourselves personally as artists. But uh, the beer that we make, and I think the beer that our industry exists around, are, are beers that that are there to be paired with uh, whatever you feel is great. And and one person's opinion is always right. Uh, what you think is good uh, is no more right than what other people think is good. And, and that's the beauty in beer to me, at least Amen. the industry that, that we make beer within. So. Garrett, you guys have a brew pub as well. Have you ever made anything specific for, for the restaurant side? Uh, sure. We have, uh, we have one brew pub currently on Maui, and we're opening a second and then adding one to Oahu as well. Um, so we do a lot with beer and food. I think there, the synergies, I mean, over the last 10 years that we've seen in the industry develop between food and beer have just been awesome. And I think, as you just said, you, know, it, you can't be really wrong. I mean, there's so many great pairings out there. I mean, I think Coconut Porter goes awesome with Osobuco or killer um, charred meats, but its best pairing might be chocolate sometimes. You know, I think, you know, it's really up to, to you to decide what your favorite beer is. We love to do beer pairing dinners, and we like to... Um kind of coax that out and I think uh, you know the great late Michael Jackson that gave us the beer language and, and talking about beer in a way that we do now uh, was great about uh, really helping push that forward and flavors in beer being talked about other than something to wash down pretzels with so for um you know, for us at the pub, we've done everything from uh, Maui Onion Mild, which we brewed that for the Onion Festival, uh, which was pretty awesome. Uh, we paired that with a pohole salad, like a fiddlehead, I think they call them out here, mm-hmm. and uh, ahi poke, and it was really great. We've done things with guava, papaya, mango, uh, and we try to use those to integrate into the menu wherever possible. So, um, you know, our coconut porter beef stew is one of the top selling items on our menu. Uh, we make our ketchup with IPA, so I think we try to take the nuances of each of our beers and integrate them into the food menus. So it's very important to us. So check, check, one, two, yeah, okay. Now my uh, my question is actually for all four of you. Um, it's two part. Number one, distribution, because um, that's one thing that I've gotten. You know, just walking around tonight, which I usually get a saver. Uh, will your brews be available here at any time, any place, or sometime soon? And then, part two, um, what is your social media that we can keep up with, or can we catch up with any of these recipes as well? Because, you know, I've, I'm a backyard, you know, grill master. Master chef. <laughs> but sometimes you got to do different stuff. Sure. So, if we can catch up with any of the recipes or anything like that. Sure. Uh, we- I'll just start. Maybe we'll run down the line because we'll answer the question. Um, Our social media, the simple, you know, the old school, the website thing, uh, that's MauiBrewing.com. And, of course, now everybody's on social media, so it's at MauiBrewingCo. So MauiBrewingCo for company. And then, of course, uh, Instagram is the same. Twitter is the same. So, again, at MauiBrewingCo. And I'm at MauiGarrett, if anybody cares about that. So are you going to share this recipe? I, I get to put up the cool, like, food pictures where, like, all you get on the Maui Brewing which is awesome. Uh, I got fired from doing that one because I was posting everyone else's beers and all the food I was eating, so they made me get my own. Uh, so will you share this recipe with the crowd? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, do you, if you have enough uh, area for a 200-pound pig in your backyard, I applaud you. <laughs> but we actually do have a version. We do. We would absolutely share with you. Uh, you can email us off the website, and I'll make sure we get it to you. Because we, do, we don't have a pit that we cook all of our pig in at the brew pub. Uh, we reserve that for the luau's. But we do a version in the oven, which we can show you how to do. Uh, and we'd be happy to share that. Uh, there's no secrets here. Uh, and then... Um, The last question was distribution, or the first question technically was distribution. We do distribute uh, across Maryland and Virginia, including D.C. Uh, We had a bit of a hiatus when we ran out of product and we had to build a new brewery. Uh, We just completed that in October, and now we're able to meet the demand. So we've just gotten our first container landed here last month, and now it's hitting the stores again. So the Total Wines, the Whole Foods, the specialty beer shops, if they don't have it, they can absolutely get it for you. Uh, And remember, it is the authentic Hawaiian craft beer, meaning the one made in Hawaii, uh, and that is Maui. Not uh, the other one. <laughs> I had to go there. I never don't, right? Thank you. Uh, so, f- first question you can get our beer in Austin, Texas. Um, yeah, we're, uh, 
we, we've grown triple digits year over year and can't seem to get ourselves outside of Austin. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll sell 10,000 barrels of beer just in Austin. Uh, we would love to sell out here, but uh, to be quite frank, you know, uh, our beer is, is as fresh as you can get it in Austin. So we, we love that people like to visit Austin, and we want you to come to Austin to uh, enjoy that really good fresh beer. Um, on the, the, the second question, hops and grain, all spelled out, H-O-P-S-A-N-D-G-R-A-I-N. That's Twitter, that's Instagram, that's Facebook. Uh, that's also our website. If you click contact us, I would love to think that there's this whole team of people that are going to answer that question, but it's going to come directly to me, and I'm going to answer that. So uh, you don't even need my email address. Just click that on our website. Um, and I will share everything from beer recipes to uh, thoughts on life to, um, you know, all, yeah, all, all those things. So. <laughs> And you should be able to find a lot of different Boulevard beers. Unfortunately, not Bully Porter, but here in, in D.C., we, we ship a lot of our Smokestack series out. So Tank Seven's a real popular one. Um, the Calling IPA, you can try both of those at our booth. Uh, but similar to what Garrett said, the, the Whole Foods, uh, Total Wine, a lot of your specialty craft beer, liquor stores will have our, our beers. Um, as far as the recipe, actually Jack Stack ships burnt ends, and you can go to the Jack Stack online and get burn and shipped directly to you, which is kind of fun. Wow. Um, I've done that a lot of times when I head back home to Denver. Um, and as far as our uh, social media, Facebook, we're Boulevard Brewing Company, uh, Instagram Boulevard Beer, and Twitter, we are Boulevard underscore beer. So follow us. Very similar. I get all of our emails too. Finales at Boulevard.com. So any questions you have, feel free to reach out to us. Um, as for us, uh, I, I can tell you I'm really excited because uh, we just launched DC this week. So, uh, this, is, uh, this is our first week in the DC market. Uh, we've had guys out here since uh, this past weekend out of bars just having a really, really amazing time. You guys have a pretty incredible bar scene here and some awesome beers. So uh, we've been drinking our fill and really enjoying ourselves. Um, but uh, if you want to check the recipe... Honestly, you'd have to reach out to Pappy's. I, uh, I know they cook it slow and they cook it low, and I don't know what their spices are or uh, what their sauces are, but um, Mike Emerson over there is a fantastic guy, and I'm sure if you reached out to them, he would be more than willing to uh, talk you guys through the process. Um, if you want to talk to us at all on social media, uh, our, brewery is, uh, our brewery website is uh, fourhandsbrewery.com. Uh, our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram are Four Hands Brewing Co., um, and the number of the last letters. What's that? Four, the number? Yeah, it, it is the numeral four. So don't mess that one up because I don't know who that'll go to, but it sure won't be us. Um, and I would love to tell you that that'll go straight to me, but uh, thankfully it doesn't because we get a lot of those and we have other people to deal with it. So it's, it's not me. Lucky guy. Yeah, lucky guy. <laughs> okay, I just had uh, one question. Out in Hawaii, are there any natural growing hops? Or do they have to be all be imported? Sure, that's a great question. Uh, we don't grow hops in Hawaii. Uh, we've been looking for a place that will grow them. Uh, most likely going to be up on one of the volcanoes where we do get a little cooler. Uh, Year-round is about 30 degrees up at the, the peak of the vol volcanoes, but there's about 13 microclimates on uh, Haleakala, which is the mountain on Maui alone. So we're trying to find the right one that we can get the plant to go dormant because it's a vine, actually a rhizome. If it goes dormant, then we can get uh, flowers or hop buds the next year. Uh, but we haven't been able to do that yet. Uh, so most everything comes from the Yakima Valley. Uh, and we're starting to get more and more from the uh, Awatearoa region or the, the hop growing region in uh, northern South Island of New Zealand. It's a mouthful. Um, and that has a lot of cultural connections because the Maori tribe, uh, the Awatearoa, came to settle into Hawaii. Uh, so there's a, a connection there. And so we're trying to develop more beers around hops that are culturally identified in our in our islands as well. Uh, but much like most breweries, the hops have to come from somewhere, the malt has to come from somewhere, and uh, you know, we try to draw on other local agriculture to influence our beers. Uh, not all of our beers have fruit in them, much like this, um, but coconut porter, mana wheat, uh, imperial mango weizen, uh different beers that we'll do with uh, local cultural fruits. Um, but sometimes we have very traditional things like we're serving tonight, the Kihei Kolsch, which is a very uh, an homage to traditional German-style Kolsch. So, thank you. Is New Zealand or the West Coast of the U.S. closer to? Uh, 
I don't know. I, I didn't do well in geography, honestly. <laughs> I, I would say probably West Coast because I can fly there in four and a half hours, and I think New Zealand's, we don't have a direct, so that's hard. I'd, probably, I'd say West Coast, definitely. I'll take that. That's my final answer. <laughs> Any more? Oh, we've got one right here. Any hope for a taro beer? Taro beer. Uh, actually, you know, we've had a couple breweries in Hawaii do that. Um, taro is also known as Kalo. Or, and so we've had a few breweries work with that, and they're interesting. You know, it's a, it's a, it's taro is the, uh, it's a, I think it's legume, I think is what it actually is, but very starchy item that can be fermented. The original Hawaiian spirit was okolehau, and it was a fermented distilled taro. Um, and it does add fermentable sugars, uh, but, you know, I've not worked with it our, ourselves. We were going to do that for a, uh, a luau event that we were working on, but culturally the, the kahuna at that area was like, we're not sure how our you know, local people are going to respond to that because it is such a sacred item. Uh, so we did a beer with breadfruit. And I think I had that last time I was here. Was The liquid breadfruit was with uh, dogfish. So we brewed a imperial golden ale with uh, ulu, which is breadfruit, and uh, toasted papaya seeds. And that was a fantastic beer. So, but it is it can ferment, and if if it'll ferment, we'll try it. So, we just did uh, uala, which is sweet potato. It's so very similar. It's a purple sweet potato. Any final questions? I hope you all. I got one more right here. Uh, is there any type of wood specifically that each city uses to uh, smoke? It's a great question. You want me to? We uh, do not. I can tell you, Kansas City doesn't. Uh, same for St. Louis. Uh, not not one particular wood that we use more than anything else. Hickory. Uh, Texas is definitely oak. Oak is the predominant um, mesquite. You will find mixed in, but mesquite is just a, a bastard of a tree, and so people don't want to embrace it because we don't want it to grow anymore in Texas. So, uh, oak oak is oak is mainly what what uh, people use. Yeah. yeah. And uh, for us, it's kiave. Uh, so every, universally, every um, emu uses uh, kiave, and it's it's like a mesquite. Uh, so it imparts similar flavors. It's thorny. It's it's the one that's going to go right through your slipper while you're at the beach. Uh, but it is, and it's annoying. Uh, but it is a great wood and imparts some great flavors. We've we've done some barrel aging uh, using wood staves made with kiave too, or kiave smoked uh, malts that we've done, uh, and a really cool cool wood. We don't have a lot of varieties though in Hawaii, so you know you're kind of stuck with that. Koa is too expensive to burn, so you know you're gonna use something like that. All right, can we get a big round of applause for our four panelists this evening? Wonderful beers, wonderful food, wonderful barbecue. Thank you all so much for coming this evening. Hope you enjoy the rest of your evening at Saber. Feel free to stick around and ask these guys some questions personally. Yeah. Thank you. Aloha. Thank you for listening to this recording from Savor 2015, brought to you by the Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio. You can find the rest of the salons from Savor 2015, as well as all of the salons from previous years of Savor, at craftbeerradio.com slash savor or on craftbeer.com. Craft Beer Radio is a weekly beer podcast that you can listen to on iTunes or from our website at craftbeerradio.com.